Did you know that Ravenswood is home to one of the country's most vibrant craft beverage communities? Known as Malt Row, the area produces some of Chicago's favorite beer and spirits. You can try them all on July 22nd and 23rd at their annual party, Ravenswood on Tap. This hyper-local street fest offers a variety of beer and music styles alongside activities like axe throwing. That's right. In Chicago, you can have a beer and throw an axe at a concert. For tickets and details, visit ravenswoodchicago.org. Hey everyone, this is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast. I'm your host, John Hansen, and this is episode number 88. And we're bringing back Mac Liederman on this podcast. Mac, it's been a long time since you joined It's All Good. I'm so glad to have you back again. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. I think maybe we did number 15 or 16, but it's cool to be back around for 88. Quite quite the honor. You've written a lot of great stories. It's not on you. It's on me. I should be calling you more often. You've got great stuff, including this really heartwarming, cool local business story about a third generation hardware shop that is, um, well, it's going to be changing hands to some familiar faces after being in the family a long time. Yeah, sure is, John. Um, Clark, Clark Devon Hardware, which is up in Rogers Park, has long been a rival to many big box competitors and have saved them off over almost 99 years of business. And they're going to be selling their store to 65 employees that have long worked there. The two third generation owners, Ken and Ed Walchak said they're quote unquote going to ride off into the sunset. So no clear successor popped up amongst their kids. So they thought the next best people to give it to would be the ones actually running the store. I think it's a really beautiful and kind of poetic story. Yeah. I want to talk about that handoff to the employees in a little bit. I just can't believe Ken and Ed aren't waiting till the hundredth anniversary. They're going to do it. This transfer is officially happening before they turn 100, right? Yeah. That's uh, they're just short of uh, 100 years uh, in business over three generations. So maybe it's on a beat. I think it's kind of cute though. The, pl- the employees themselves are going to ring in uh, the century mark. That's cool. Let's go back to the beginning. Where does the story start and the store start? So uh, the store dates back to 1924 when um, the two brothers, uh, Ken and Ed, who run the store now, um, it goes back to their grandfather, William Walchak, who was an immigrant to Chicago from Russia. And uh, William Walchak uh, first found the job, but quickly his wife said uh, he had to stop commuting every day from Aurora and gave him an ultimatum that he had to find something a little bit closer. Oh, it was he was commuting to Aurora in 1924. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Imagine what it must have been like to commute to Aurora in 1924 from Chicago each and every day. Yeah, I think we were just past the Model T's in 1924, but not much. Okay, so he bought an existing store. Was it a hardware store? What sort of setup was it? Yeah. So the wife said, stop going to Aurora every day. So what he did, he's an entrepreneurial guy, um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type of guy. He, uh, he bought a store in Rogers Park and nobody is really quite sure what was actually in the store, but Ken had told me, you know, but there was stuff in it. So he bought the <laughs> store that had some stuff in it and it had a catalog. So he started flipping his way through the catalog and teaching himself about the things in the store as much as he could. Um, just by hand, by eyeballing it. So he found himself learning about sick traps and toilets, and he was a fast learner. And he'd sell these supplies. In order to learn more about them, he would install them himself at the people's homes that he sold them to. Whoa, that's like a classic story of not only a hard worker, it's like a quintessential American dream immigrant story. Yeah, very, very American uh, dream of him, uh, John. And I think that's a lot of what this um, store embodies, the people who kind of go in and and shop here. Um, They were telling me generations of janitors 
who have immigrated to Chicago. They can see the flow of immigration from Chicago coming through their store for these people working in properties from Germans to Belgians, the Hungarians to Croatians to Romanians to Mexicans. There's been all these different waves of people coming through in the store. And a lot of these janitors, they go on to be building engineers or they go on to own property. So a part of the beauty of this business is seeing kind of people, you know, build those relationships and then level, 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 level up and start making their own land and communities in Chicago themselves. I love that. So William starts it in 1924. You told us about the third generation. Who's in the middle? So second generation, we got Mr. Bernie Walchak, who served in the second world war, I believe, uh, begrudgingly according to his um, sons. And um, he brought in his two sons, Kennedy, who kind of have long split front and, ha- and back of the house duties at the store. And it's worked out pretty well for them over the years because despite Home Depot, despite Menards and all of that, they're uh, still in business and they're doing great. I uh, noticed that they um, obviously pay homage to their father and grandfather, acknowledging the work that they did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, fre- frequently that was kind of what it all came back to is um, this is a real family business and something really poetic that I think Ken said, he goes, our employees now are our family. So who's better than to be the next owners of it than than them, the employees themselves, these 65 employees make up their fourth generation in a way. So they've moved up and down Clark Street, I think actually just up Clark Street a couple of times. Paint us a picture of what it's like in there now. It's kind of a sprawling spot, isn't it, at 6401 North Clark? Yeah, the building itself has a really interesting um, history. Well, first of all, I think it's over 15,000 square feet, so nothing to uh, um, nod your head at. It's a pretty impressively sized store. It uh, was a movie theater uh, before, so the stage uh, is still there at the front of the store. I think it's being used as an office space. and. The floors of the store slope down as you walk closer and closer to the register. Because, you know, if you ever been to the movies, uh, some people sit in the front, <laughs> some people sit higher up. So the the remnants of lives past are very uh, visceral and visible in the store. That's cool. And it's in that in that size. You also just get so many knickknacks and paddywhacks. Colin Boyle, who does great work and takes great photos. <laughs> I'm just like enthralled by this wall of keys. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at the hardware store, but... Man, how many thousands of Chicagoans have had keys made out of this place? Uh, I think maybe thousands might be an understatement, John. Uh, Keys is kind of their specialty, a reason why they've been able to compete with these big box uh, real retailers as they've taken more and more of a bite out of the industry is they've long hold on to the master keys for these janitors who have become engineers and property managers. And they've built these relationships with these buildings all over Chicago from two flats to high rises. And they hold on to all their keys because they're trusted and Whenever someone move, new moves in, someone loses the key, you got to go back to the store and get a new one. <laughs> so Ken and Ed are going to hand it off to the employees. Did you get any sense that there was, I don't know, a little disappointment? Not disappointment in their kids because their kids are going to do what they want to <laughs> do, but that maybe it wasn't staying in the family or do they seem proud and happy with the ultimate decision they've made? I saw a lot of smiling faces around the the place, John, when I was there. Uh, Ken and Ed told me, uh, you know, one of their kids is a lawyer. Another one is a teacher. Um, they're all really happy. Hardware just isn't their thing. And um, running the store is a lot different than maybe it was 20, 30 years ago when there weren't 65 employees, there weren't so much space. Like running the store is probably a huge, huge, huge undertaking. So I think the two brothers um, recognize, you know, that maybe, you know, that's not cut out for for our kids to, to do together. Maybe they want to go off and do their own thing. But uh, many of these employees that have been with them have been with them for two, three decades and they sat in the room with them and they've all collectively made decisions. So something I heard across the board from Ed down to the person at the register is that 
it really doesn't feel like much is changing. So what is it exactly? How do they become owners? What do you what document does one sign to make? Is it all of them are owners? Is it part of a retirement plan? Like, can you walk us through that a little bit as best you can? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more than just maybe one ink on drying on a piece of paper. I think this whole thing is rather complicated and I'm not an economist, so I'll, <laughs> I'll try my best here. But it's uh, called an ESOP, which is an employee stock ownership plan. It's a type of retirement plan that puts the um, entire business into different uh, stocks and all these stocks are put into um, a pension for the employees that they get um, when they leave. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's six managers. They're going to be kind of running the store once Ed and uh, Ken kind of ride off into the sunset. They have the largest portion of these retirement stocks. And then it kind of moves down the chart from there in order for them to have purchased the build, the business as stocks in the first place, they had to take off a loan. Uh, so their first challenge would be paying back that loan. And um, once they do that, they'll be able to increase the value of their stocks year over year if the store continues to be performing like it is performing now. That's awesome. What do the employees think about this? Uh, they're happy. I think happy is a, is an understatement. Uh, a couple of them told me, um, you know, they walked into this hardware store 20, 30 years ago because they needed an extra job. They needed a second job. They graduated high school and they weren't sure where to go. They immigrated to the U.S., had family in Rogers Park and just needed a job. Uh, none of them really thought it would turn into something like this. They would actually, you know, own the store. Um, one of the people I spoke to is really nice guy named Shine Som Somerville um, told me, um, you know, he sat down with his kid and was able to tell him the story about, hey, like hard work really does pay off. If you put in your time, you do a good job, um, you don't ruffle any feathers, you know, some, you can be an owner of a business. And just to hear him say that, how that changes the whole narrative of his family and is something for his children to look up to him for. Uh, that was like one of the sweetest moments I've had on the job in a while. At the uh, beginning of the uh, podcast, you mentioned this all seems a little poetic. Dive into that a little bit more. What do you mean? In some ways, I feel like the way the store is being passed on is kind of an organic progression of the way this store has always been run. William Walchek taught himself how to do it, and then he taught others. And then, you know, the janitors came, the neighbors came, those people leveled up into different things and supported the store even further. There's just a real sense of just community and diversity inside, you know, these 15,000 square feet that I think really emulate what Rogers Park looks and feels like in general. So the fact that the employees, you know, are taking over it as a next step because they were there and they were doing the work, I think, again, they said themselves, nothing seems to be really changing that much. Clark Devon Hardware at 6401 North Clark Street. Go in and see the outgoing owners or go in and meet the new ones. Uh, you'll surely find something you need around the house. Mac Lederman, it's a great story. Well told on uh, blockclubchicago.org and well told here on It's All Good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. It's a story about American dreams, so I appreciate you sharing it. I already told you it was the end, Mac. Come on. You don't got to add another little nugget for me. No, I'm just kidding. That was, <laughs> no, that was, that was great. We'll be right back. Ravenswood On Tap is coming up on July 22nd and 23rd. This hyper-local beer and music fest features brews from Malt Row Breweries, cocktails from Koval Distillery, and performances from acts like Dos Santos, Beverage and the Drinks, Calico Loco, and Serengeti. Y'all remember that Dennehy song? Ravenswood On Tap also has great food, axe throwing, aerial arts, homebrew tasting, and some pretty cool vendors. For tickets and details, check out ravenswoodchicago.org. 
Block Club Chicago, obviously a website and a podcast here, but we're also on TV on the block airing Thursday nights at seven on the U CW 26 Chicago is where you can find us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 630. Brandon Pope's the host. I do some reporting on it, too. It's a great show. Hope you check it on out. Go to CW 26 Chicago.com for more information and where you can find all those channels that I just listed off. And we're on the radio too. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings on the Bob's Rob Morning Show. Here's a recent appearance with Seamus Toomey. Seamus Toomey joining us with uh, news about uh, how Millennium Park is uh, going to be the world's largest drive-in for a while, isn't it, Seamus? <laughs> That's right, Bob. Good morning. Um, the Millennium Park movie series is one of the summer highlights. It really draws a, a great crowd out to the Pritzker Pavilion, and they show uh, movies, uh, usually you know, movies that are out in the theater now or, or recently. Um, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it started last night, and it's going to be every Tuesday uh, at six thirty through the end of the summer. Uh, last night was uh, uh, Fast Five, a Fast and the Furious. I think it was a NASCAR themed uh, <laughs> event. We're for, still in the mood. Yeah, exactly. For people that are still uh, hearing the the buzzing of the engines, but um, yeah, just uh, fun ones. They've got um, uh, they they've got. Um, uh, uh, Top Gun is coming out later this uh, this summer. Uh, they've got Black Panther. And August 1st, mark your calendars, Summer of Soul, which is a really great documentary by Questlove about uh, um, uh, about a, a music concert in Harlem that was overlooked, but he dug up the footage, and it's really just a fantastic soundtrack and just movie and everything. Yeah, I saw it a while back, and I heard Landecker talking about it last night. A couple of things about that one. Uh, if if you saw the Woodstock movie, the the quality of the film was a little fuzzy. This is pristine, and everybody everybody is in this thing. I mean, how it got overlooked, I'll never know. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Stevie Wonder does a set that's just where he plays drums. It's just it's really off the charts. Really worth going out and seeing. That summer is sold. That's on August first. So all of this is free and at Millennium Park, right? At Millennium Park, but tonight kicks off the the Hyde Park uh, similar series. It's called Movies on the Midway at the Midway Plaisance at University of Chicago. That starts at seven p.m. Uh, every Wednesday for the rest of the summer. Tonight is Wonder Park. Series, free series of family-friendly films and outdoor activities uh, on the south side as well. Uh, let's talk about the owner of a popular Andersonville wine bar and uh, what he's going to be doing. Yes, we like to keep tabs on any new restaurant, particularly opening on the beach. Um, and this one, uh, it's... Um, uh, it's a place called Uve, uh, which runs a wine bar in uh, in Andersonville. Um, in a couple of weeks, they're going to open a place called Aura um, at Kathy Osterman Beach. So that's right at the end of Lakeshore Drive on the north end at 5701 DuSable Lakeshore Drive. Um, it's going to be right on the beach. There's going to be tables in the sand even. Uh, they said they're going for a coastal vibe. But, uh, you know, it's always cool when they when they turn one of these places that, you know, could have been a hot dog stand. They could have sold uh, uh, popcorn. But that are going to kick it up a notch and have drinks and uh, they say a little elevated dining for for people wandering the beach and looking to kind of pretend you're on vacation. Not too many years ago, up and down the lakefront, maybe you could get a hot dog at a stand, but now there are all kinds of uh, opportunities for uh, food and drink, aren't there? Absolutely. Up and down Chicago as well. The south side's got some great spots. Uh, uh, Reggie's on the beach, uh, uh, about 31st Street. So yeah, lots of uh, uh, lots of places. Like I said, if you want to go out there and wander and uh, kick off your shoes and you know pretend you're 
pretend you're somewhere else. <laughs> Not that you need to in Chicago, but it uh, really feels like a different vibe when you're out there. It does. Uh, when Anna DeVlantis was uh, uh, here this morning with her This Week in Chicago History feature, we talked about Mike Royko's Beer Fest and uh, how when it started, but it's uh, going to be restaged. Uh, this is Royko's uh, old experiment, isn't it? Right. 50 years ago, Royko had a, a beer fest, and the point of it was to, to have sort of a taste test between uh, foreign and domestic beers. Now, 50 years ago, there wasn't a lot of options uh, when it came to domestic beers. In fact, Royko said, America's beer tastes as if it's brewed through a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sort of gently stated as, uh, as Royko does. Um, this time, they're, they're restaging it. It's going to be July 30th at uh, uh, the Old Town Ale House on North Avenue, Royko's old haunt. Um, he's bringing in 11 craft beer experts. Uh, they're going to do taste tests of local ones. And I'd say the Chicago beer scene is a quite a bit different from 50 years ago. There's going to be some ones out there that arguably are going to, uh, you know, knock the socks off of uh, some of uh, the foreign beers that may show up there. But, uh, yeah, it's open to the public as well. Um, you'll be able to uh, taste some of them as well. Um, there's tickets uh, available for it right now. Um, just go to blockclubchicago.org for look for our story. But, yeah, it sounds like fun. Anytime we can celebrate Royko and him making fun of uh, something, it's uh, always a good always a good <laughs> Good time. <laughs> July 30th, the Old Town Ale House, uh, 219 uh, West North Avenue. Marco was a regular there. And I, I was just reading about uh, the old O'Rourke's on North Avenue, another one of Mike Royko's hangouts. I think he went from Ricardo's to O'Rourke's. That was the pattern. Yeah, right, exactly. It was a sort of the, the crawl where the the, uh, the editors probably knew where to call and find him if they had a question about his column. Probably at a workstation there. And, Number one, and, I like beer. And uh, as you said, uh, the, the beer scene has changed since Royko first started this, and uh, I guess it was the opening of Goose Island back in 88, wasn't it? That really uh, kind of uh, ushered in the next wave of breweries here. It really was. Uh, Everyone sort of acknowledges that when Goose Island opened, uh, it just opened people's eyes. Uh, Then they came out with the Bourbon Age Barrel Program, which revolutionized uh, that style of beer, which is every brewery around here does something like that. So it was when they sold to to Budweiser, it was really sent shockwaves. But but now, you know, Goose Island is still thriving. I don't know if a lot of people know that uh, InBev Budweiser even own it anymore. But yeah, that they're the uh, uh, they're the OG for the local craft beer scene. Yeah, look at you, the beer historian, Seamus Toomey from Block Club Chicago. <laughs> Thanks, Seamus. Talk Thanks, to Bob. you again soon. And that'll do it for It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll drop another pod on you next week. Pre-sale packages are now on sale for Ravenswood on tap, Malt Row Craft Beer and Music Festival. Come out on July 22nd and 23rd for a weekend of local beer and cocktails, amazing brands, delicious food, homebrew tasting, axe throwing, aerial arts, and more. Skip lines and save money with bundles that get you drink tickets, reusable drinkware, axe throwing passes, or a special tasting flight option that's only available online. For tickets and details, visit ravenswoodchicago.org. Oh.